Hey, everybody. Okay, this is a bonus episode. This is extra. If 15 minutes of Parsha a week is not enough for you, if you're jonesing for more Parsha, then you, you may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on, on Zoom. And uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube, but we thought we might try cutting down the one-hour class to about 40 minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcasts that might not be able to fit a midday class on a Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, if you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, just like the podcast, it's absolutely free, and we'd love to have you. Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday. Good to see you all. Um, still reporting to you live from the woods of Mendocino County. Um, and uh, very grateful to be here. It's very grateful to be in nature. Um, feel a little closer to uh, the source. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and, um, and it's a gift to be able to, to study Torah in nature. It's a gift to be able to, to do this thing that usually requires an urban setting. That's why, you know, Jews have had to be so, so urban as we have, we have to gather together so we can do our thing. And um, it's nice to be isolated and still doing our, our thing. Um, okay. Uh, we are this week, there's it's just like too much to deal with um, because this week, is the is a combo uh, parsha? It's Achremot Kedoshim. Those are two massive uh, parshot that sometimes get read together. Last week we read Tazria Mitzora, um, and that worked because it's a they're both shorter parshot that are all discussing the laws of um, purity and impurity, and that. Um, so it all fits together. And actually, there's some debate about whether certain parshot actually were originally to, together, Vayakel Pekude, um, uh, Truma Tetzave. But then um, there are others that because of our, you know, calendrical concerns, we read together because we just have to catch up because it's a longer or a shorter year. We have leap, um, a leap month in, 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 Jew in the Jewish calendar where, where um, seven of the of 19 years has an extra month. Anyway, th that's complicated, but the point is sometimes we have to read a lot and it feels like too much. And this week is one of those weeks because Achremot, let's just honor it for a second because then we're going to leave it. Achremot, uh, meaning after the death of, deals with the aftermath um, after the death of Aaron's two sons. And that in itself is, a, to return to that scene is a, is a, a difficult and a heavy, um, just trying to get right in this chair here. <laughs> um, um, moment. And then um, 
And then we go straight into the Yom Kippur service, the, the, the elaborate detail of the Yom Kippur service with the two goats. And then, and maybe this is why it, it does make sense to join Achremot with, with Parshat Kedoshim. Then we start to get into laws, laws, laws. Uh, at the end of Achremot, it's um, laws of, uh, around sexuality and, and, and forbidden relationships, incest and things like that. And because the laws are starting to come one after another, this is sort of the beginning of what academics call the holiness code holiness code um, but it's really that holiness code is really recognizable in the the second of our compressed par, uh, parshot today parshat kadoshim which is means hol holiness or or literally um kadoshim to you you should be holy you all should be holy and so that's where the the code gets its name you all should be holy and it does seem like a lot of these laws are interested in in ho holiness, but it's actually strange the holiness code because many of them do not seem to be dealing with holiness per se. Um, now, I, I say that be because it's important to see how this legal code suddenly like raises its head up in the middle of Leviticus which has indeed been concerned with holiness. Holiness, you might say, is the theme of Leviticus, to approach the, the mikdash, the sanctuary, the holy space. Um, the, 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 the priest is designated, is, is sanctified. Um, all of uh, the laws of purity and impurity are to keep us in a state of, of, of ability to approach the holy. Holiness is certainly a concern here, in the book of Leviticus, but in Parshat Kedoshim especially, although, as I said, it's already begun in Parshat Achremot, Parshat Kedoshim, all of a sudden we start to get these laws one after another, and they don't all seem like they're about ritual holiness. In fact, it's just a legal code, the holiness code, and um, and it has all kinds of, of laws that are the sort of thing we would expect from the book of Exodus, from Mishpatim, from the, the covenant code, from, uh, from a code that thinks about human society and justice and how we live together and, 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 and treat each other with um, principles of, of Mishpat, of justice. Okay, so that's just a big deal in itself because it suddenly seems like this book that you could have written off as, oh, this is priestly stuff, we don't do this anymore. Actually, this book is concerned with how we live. And part of what this book is trying to say is that everything that goes on in the temple, that's one mode of accessing holiness, but we can also access holiness through our behavior, in ourselves, in our bodies, in our societies, between each other. Um, we can conduct ourselves with with holiness, and that's why the 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 code opens. Kadoshim to you, you be holy. Ki kadoshani, because I I the Lord your God am holy. Okay, so that's a big move in itself. Now we arrive at at, at Parshat Kadoshim at the holiness code, and um, it's um, it's a it's a it's a wonderful section of the Torah, because it's just one law after another, but they're 
some of the all-time classics. I mean, maybe maybe the all-time classic, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's That's here in the holiness code. Okay, so think about what that says. Loving your neighbor as yourself is a way of of accessing holiness or be, or acting holy. Okay, so it's that sort of, um, and it's one law after another, and some of them are about the poor, and some of them are about, um, some of them are about holy things like Shabbat, but it's just a, it's a catalog of laws um, that is has this framework of holiness. And it's uh, just a wonderful thing to kind of wander around this catalog because every every one of these laws we could spend, there, there's just no shortage of material. We could spend an entire class on any one of these laws. And that's what we're gonna do today. Um, so that's all by way of saying, we're just gonna like dip into the holiness code and um, and look carefully at one or two of its sections and, um, and 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 try to like flesh out a little bit what what what's going on here. What is the ethic and the law, and then what it has to do with holiness, and the laws that we're going to look at today um, are are both uh, speech laws, laws that that dictate uh, how we speak. Um, but they're two very different laws. We're going to spend most of our time looking at um, the laws around what we call Lashon Hara, evil speech. And um, then also we're going to look a little bit at the laws of Tochacha, rebuke. Okay. And they come right after one, right after another. Okay. But I'm already, I'm already giving away too much. So let's, let's stop. Let's take a, a, a break to say a blessing. Thank God for this. Um, for this uh, constant uh, um, reminder to enter into into holiness through our through our behavior through the way we live. Okay. Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam, Asher Kitshanu Mitzvotav Tzivanu LaAsok B'Divrei Torah. You have no idea what I'm looking at right now, so it's just like, oh, God. Um, okay. Uh, Okay, so let's begin. Um, here is the, the the verse that we are going to spend um, the most time on and most of our time on today is uh, this verse right here. Let's see. I'll put it in the chat. It's Leviticus chapter 19, which is the beginning of Parshat Kedoshim, uh, verse 16. And um, I got to say, one of the things that is so um, wonderful and um, rich in the Torah um, is that uh, much of the Torah is 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 made of law is 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 legal, um, but the, even the legal and sometimes people don't like ah well get me back to the stories. But actually, even the legal sections have a real poetry to them. They are really written um, sometimes very clearly with cadence in in mind. What I just said, like that, you shall love your neighbors yourself. Just the sound of it is a kind of a kind of a kind of um chant or rhythm. And that's true with a lot of the laws that we see in Parsha Kadoshim. Uh, and it's true for the laws that we're going to look at today. Just even the sound of the verse is a kind of 
there's a kind of um, 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 it, e epithet or or um, um, yeah, there's a there, there's this is this is meant to be a kind of saying as much as it is a law. Okay, so let's take a look here at um, what will become one of the most important laws in Jewish uh, life and thought, though it only gets mentioned very, very briefly here. In fact, it doesn't even take up the whole sentence. It doesn't even take up the whole verse. So let's take a look here. Okay. Um, moving things around in my Zoom screen. Here I am. Okay. Okay. Lo telech rachil ba'amecha, lo tamod al dam re'echa, ani Hashem. Let me say that again. Lo telech rachil ba'amecha, lo tamod al dam re'echa, ani Hashem. Oh, this says do. All right. So there's, <laughs> that's the type of, do not. Do not go tailbearing about your people, uh, about your people. Um, do not stand id idly by the blood of your neighbor. And then this is a this this is a kind of a refrain which we see a lot in Parsha Kadoshim. It comes up again and again, law after law. There's a kind of punctuation. I am God. I am Hashem. I am the Eternal. Ani Hashem. And what that means is a topic for another class. Rashi says it means like the the just like I'm the one who's going to be watching over you if you do the and I will pay you reward or punishment based on what you do but that's just um who knows it's it's a it's certainly um that that that's a good way of saying that there's a gravity here like I, what I just said is important I'm God who said it okay now I want to immediately do one thing which is just this is the familiar translation tail bearing um I want to tra I want to translate it today as gossiping, and I'll we'll we'll soon try to prove that it is gossiping. But tailbearing is such a, a an unused word today, um, but gossiping is such a big word today. It's such a big word, and I really think this is a massive topic in in Jewish thought, as I said. But I think I think we really really need to think about it in our time. I really do. I really think that we are, and I am, I am including myself uh, among we for sure. But I think um, we are um, struggling with with a lot of the the questions that are, that um, that emerge out of this um, this prohibition, um, because. Uh, we we live in a in a gossiping. First of all, just because we're human beings, and that's just the way it is. And I, um, um, th this 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 opens up a huge discussion in um, um, first of all rabbinic literature, the Talmud. The rabbis were obsessed with, even though this is a one tiny law. Um, the rabbis kept coming back to it and kept coming back to it, and and. And they kind of grew over the centuries. It's like, no, this is really the problem. And I feel that to a certain extent myself on Yom Kippur, right? You know, when you're like going through all the sins and most of them don't even apply to you. And you're like, yes, I didn't kill anyone this year. And then you see, you know, uh, a gossiping, speaking, you know, chattering about other people, speaking ill of other people. And every year my my chest hurts a little bit because I just know... I did that again this year, willingly, happily, delight, delightedly, right? Like it's a, 
So part of this is just, it's a human thing. And it's, um, the Torah is asking us to do something I think that's pretty unnatural, which is not to chatter about each other. We'll get into what, what that means, but just, let's just leave it at like gossip. The Torah is asking us not to gossip. And that's, that's a lot. I mean, I, I don't know who, who likes gossiping. I like, you know what I mean? There are gossip columns. There are now gossip websites and networks and it's a, and that's where I, it, you know, it moves from just a human problem to just a problem of our time, because part of what I want to try to think about together with you today is the, the public conversation and what ought to happen in the public conversation. Okay. There's lots to say here, but, um, uh, uh, I'm going to leapfrog over centuries and centuries of discussion and processing of this topic and take us to um, the person that really we should be listening to when we enter into this topic, and that is Rabbi Yisrael Meir Kagan, uh, the Chafetz Chaim, they call him, the Chafetz Chaim. Chafetz Chaim, they call him the Chafetz Chaim by his, um, the name of his book, Chafetz Chaim means the one who desires life, and that's taken from a, a verse in, in the Psalms. But the book is um, a book, it's really the first major work devoted exclusively to the laws of Lashon Hara, of evil speech. Okay, so now who was the Chafetz Chaim? He was... Um, he was born in, in the Russian Empire and died in Poland, so Eastern European um, scholar of the, um, of the born in, in the 19th century, 1838, and lived into the 20th century. And we know him probably best at this point for the, his commentary on a part of the Shulchan Aruch of the Code of Jewish Law called the Mishnah Brura. The Mishnah Brura is a very famous um, commentary. Um, but Actually, maybe it's not, maybe we don't know him best from there because in some ways he's known best for his, though he wrote a commentary on a lot of Jewish law, that's the Mishnah Brura, this book is entirely devoted to this question of, of how we follow the laws of not speaking evilly, speaking ill, speaking badly, Lashon Hara. Um, now, all we've mentioned so far, you may be thinking, wait a minute, all we've mentioned so far is gossip. Oh, really? evil speak. We'll get there. But the, but the, um, the, the verse that mentions gossip is the one that, that triggers the whole conversation. Okay, let me just give you a sense of uh, Rabbi Yisrael Meir Kagan, the Chavetz Chaim, was really, he was the guy to write this book because he was a, he was like a, by all accounts, you know, like there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of um, how do you say this? Hagiography, hagiography, hagiography. I think you say like, you know, you you valorize and talk about the holiness of people of of previous generations. But this guy only lived, you know, a hundred years ago, and all by all accounts, he was just an incredibly pious man, just a like a a a, a righteous. Um, little tzaddik of the of the first order, and just a very pious in, in all the ways that that word con connotes. Like sort of obsessive about about living at the highest level of righteousness, or in fact, I I might say, uh, given our theme for today, holiness. Um, 
very humble, ran a shop for much of his life, just like while he was one of the most brilliant legal thinkers in um in in Jewish legal thinkers in Europe. Um and and then eventually a school started to gather around him and he um and he wrote these books and um but it's this book, the Chafetz Chaim, where he really goes to town on the sin of Lashon Haran, just to give you a sense of through his voice, he's like the the paradigm, the epitome of of a of 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 this of this voice in the tradition, but it's a voice that has been building for centuries. Take a look at what he says about the sin of lashon hara, and if we carefully searched our ways, which of the sins have primarily caused the length of our exile? Okay, this is a wild thing to say. Right, the length of our exile. This is before the new uh, state of Israel. 2,000 years wandering the, the, the world. He's sitting there in Europe and he's saying, what's the real problem? Why are we still here? We would find them to be many, but the sin of Lashon Hara, evil speech, above all. Above all. Okay? Now, that's already quite a startling thing to say. Lashon Hara is the, the greatest sin. The one that um, that caused the exile. Now he has some interesting, uh, we're not going to stay here for too long. I want to take us into some of the definitions. What is evil speech? But he has some interesting proofs for that theory. Um, many passages in the Talmud that describe the fall of the temple as taking place due to sinat um, chinam, baseless hatred, which is not exactly the same thing, but a lot of stories about in, infighting and feuding among the people of Israel, right? The The Fast of Gedalia marks uh, the slaughter of a Jewish leader by another Jew. Um, uh, they were, I guess, uh, uh, um, Israelites. Um, but um, they, by the the they um, um, the, all of the stories of the destruction of the temple and Kamsa and Bar Kamsa, I could go on and on, uh, seem to deal with um, us hating each other. And maybe you could say, sort of extract from that and saying, speaking ill of each other. And then the, the Chafetz Chaim has another really big, actually big proof. And here he's borrowing from rabbinic literature also, but he says, um, it's not well known. We don't talk about this so much, but the exile had already been decreed upon us because of the sin of the spies, as Rashi and the Ramban explain over there in Bamidbar, which is the book of Numbers. And the sin of the spies, was it not that of Lashon Hara? Therefore, it is imperative that we correct this sin before the redemption can take place. Now, that's that's an interesting move. The spies, we will read about later, go into the land of Israel and they speak ill of the land of Israel. No, it's a terrifying place. We shouldn't go there. And God is furious. And sort of homiletically, we say they were speaking Lashon Hara. They were speaking ill of the, of the land. Um, but it does say... That they were, um, they, 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 they were, they were, they spoke diba. They spoke this, the, this language of like rumor and um, spreading rumors, right? The same language, by the way, that we say that Joseph um, used when he spoke ill of his brothers, right? Or told tattletailed on his brothers. Okay, so there is, there's, there is actually a narrative theme to follow here, like. 
maybe Lashon Hara causes feuding among the family and then among the nation and then among the, the tribe. And this, that like, okay. So th that's, there, there's all kinds of themes we could pursue. There's one more famous, famous scene where Miriam speaks ill of her brother Moses and is afflicted with um, what we talked about last week, Tzarat, with, uh, with leprosy. Okay, so it it's not it's a concern in the Torah, but legally it's only one, this one little line here, just this one little line. It didn't even say evil speech; it just said gossip. So let's um, let's take a look at what's the difference between evil speech and gossip. And I see the hands are starting to come up. And yes, I've been talking nonstop this whole time, so I will take a breath and 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 hear from you all. But just finally, I want to lay out um, three categories of prohibited speech. And the Chavetz Chaim, this same book, does a nice job of just sort of laying out what, are the, what is the difference between um, um, gossip, evil speech, and then one other category, which is something like um, libel, okay? So let's take a look. And then we'll open it up for reflection. Um, okay, so one who bears tales, by the way, I, I I can't, like, I just can't help myself. This is too much TMI, too much information here. But the word for sins or for um, spies, miraglim, is the same word that the Chafetz Chaim uses for some someone who bears tales, hamiragel, right? So there's some, there's some real connection there, like to go around spying on your friends. Okay, but anyway, uh, I, I, I digress. One who bears tales or gossips against their fellow transgresses a negative commandment. Do not go gossiping about your people. Now I said I was gonna to prove to you, this has gotta be gossiping. And the proof is, or at least if we trust the Chavetz Chaim, that, he's, that his definition is what is a rachil? What is a gossip? What is a talebearer? It's one who loads oneself with words and goes around from one to another saying, this is what Plony so-and-so said about you. And this and this is what I heard Plony did to you. And although what he says may be true, it destroys the world. That's quite a quite a quite an ending to that sentence. It destroys the world. Okay. But let's just like, let's just make clear what he's saying here. The prohibition in the Torah that a Rachil, Lotelech Rachil Bamecha, um, that is. Someone who's, and it, it says, don't go gossiping. So it is that language, someone who goes around and like, do you hear this? Do you hear this? Do you hear this? Just telling stories. It, it, it's, it, it's not that it's false. It's not that it's lies. It's just a gossip. It's just like, oh, I heard this. I heard this. Spreading, spreading, spreading information. Spreading, spreading, spreading information. And that's forbidden. That's forbidden. Okay? So let's just think about the things that are forbidden. It is forbidden to spread that kind of gossip information, even if it's true. Category two. However, it is there is a sin much greater than this. That's quite strong language, right? There's a sin much greater than the one that is explicit in the Torah, and that is Lashon Hara, and it's included here. We, we assume that this verse also refers to Lashon Hara, which means, again, um, I should, I should, uh, because Lashon Hara is, um, uh, evil speech, evil speech. Just so we we follow all what we're what we're learning here. So rachilut or rachil ah um, is gossip. Lashon hara is evil speech, and it's included in this negative commandment. And that is 
speaking disparagingly of one's fellow, even if one, what one said is true, okay? So that's interesting. Two different sins, both buried in this commandment. One is not to just talk about other people, okay? Just to gossip, just to spread. Oh, do you know this? Do you know that? Hey, psst, psst, who's the rabbi dating? You know, just like spreading information around, right? But the other one is much, much worse. And that is saying, you know, she's not so smart. You know, she's not, she's, you know, saying something negative, not just spreading information, but saying something negative, which could be true, could still be true, but that's prohibited. Evil speech is not what we sometimes think it is, spreading lies. Evil speech can very often be spreading truth, okay? And that is prohibited. That is prohibited. Now, I'm soon gonna finally stop talking and ask you a question. And the question is gonna be, what's the problem with this? There's a problem with this, but let's just name our third category. Um, and um, here we go. Um, the third category, there's some debate as to where we learn this. It is maybe not learned out from this same verse, but one who speaks falsely about his, his friend or his fellow is referred to as a motzi shemra, one who defames their fellow. Okay. So um, that's a liar. That's, that's slander or, or libel, or I'm actually not even sure if I'm using the terms precisely. I knew them once, but I think that's right. I think libel is false. And um, no, Matt, you're, Matt's about to jump in, but okay, we'll turn to Matt soon. But um, three categories. Categories are uh, don't just go tail bearing and gossiping. And that seems really hard to do where we're not talking about other people anymore. But that's the suggestion. Be very, very careful about just telling information about other people, what you heard. Maybe it's hearsay. Maybe that's the problem, right? The way they're describing it. Second one is saying nasty, um, defaming, hurtful, damaging things about other people, um, even if they're true. And the third one is spreading lies. Okay. All right. So I see now a row of people who are, um, have been thinking now about um, the implications of these sorts of prohibitions. But I want to, um, I want to uh, ask you sort of to think about the differences between the three. You know, do you think all of these things ought to be prohibited? Does this make sense? Does it seem like a grave and serious sin? And if so, which of the three is the real problem, right? Um, and just to state some of the obvious um, distinctions we could draw, well, is it really a problem if you say something true? That's really a problem. That's like two of the three categories, the ones that we really are rooting in the concept of Lashon in this verse. Two of them are, are true. Are, um, are true things. Okay. Okay. And then I want to repeat the question I asked a few minutes ago, which is, um, what's the problem with this? Like, what's, you know, this is an, what, what is, now that I've told you, you can't talk about other people, you can't say nasty things about other people, is, is, is anything lost? Are we, is, are we okay? Is this how we should live? 
Okay, sorry about that. Chainsaw is just just a, just a little bit beyond my capacity. Um, okay, so, um, so I was just like so distracted for the last few minutes. So, okay, so back to Joni's comments. Exactly right. Sometimes um, there are things that we have to say and we have a communal responsibility to say them. So what do we do with that? And that takes us to a gr the great exception. The, the, there's like the Chavetz Chaim writes an entire book on the subject of Lashon Hara. And again and again, it jures us not to speak under any circumstances, but he has one exception. It's 10 chapters in, but it becomes very well known because it's such a, it's, it's, <laughs> it's such a broad exception that it certainly covers everything that Joni's talking about. And as you'll soon see, it seems to cover quite a lot more, okay? And the exception is toelet, which means um, benefit. If there is a benefit to what you're saying, then you are allowed to say it. And it in fact does not fall under the prohibition of Lashon Hara. So let's take a look at his, um, his mention, his elaboration on the concept of toelet. So, um, so if Joni asks the question, what do you mean? I, I can't speak Lashon Hara about someone who is you know, hurting children. I mean, that, and, and Joni asked the question, I think with a certain amount of, um, of legitimate concern, because I think this ethic of not speaking evil can be used to justify covering up um, uh, uh, real harm. Right, harm is is covered up for all kinds of reasons, but now there's a religious justification for it. Okay, so he says, what about if um, this idea of intending benefit? What if you intend benefit? Okay, um, you intend benefit. So we shall explain. That is, if the people to whom he tells the story can help someone who was robbed or wronged or damaged or shamed then it is certainly correct to do this to expose the perpetrator, okay? So that's it. That's certainly, uh, Joni asks the question and the Chafetz Chaim responds, yes, you're right. I wrote an entire book saying that you shouldn't speak ill, but everything you said, Joni, is true. You have to speak ill if it's going to help other people. Now, then he goes on and this idea of benefit starts to get bigger. And even if this benefit cannot result through his telling, but his intent is that people distance themselves from the way of wickedness when they hear of it. You should just know, stay away from that guy. For um, people um, condemn doers of wrong. Um, and perhaps he himself will repent through this of his evil ways. Maybe if you start um, telling everybody what a scoundrel um, this guy is, then he'll eventually get his act together and correct his deeds when he hears others condemning him, the offender for this, okay? So wait a minute now. <laughs> um, that, that's like, that's gotten, now, now it just seems like you, what was that last justification? If you think by spreading the gossip, you will get, or spreading the, the this isn't really gossip, this is Lashon Hara, this is like saying something that is de denouncing, but is true, but your justification for it is you'll warn other people about it, or maybe you will get them to change their ways 
that is considered a benefit and you can speak Lashon Hara for that reason. In fact, it's not considered Lashon Hara. And he closes by saying um, that this is not in the category of Lashon Hara and is considered a benefit. And why? Here's Joni's exact um, point. Why? Why? Since in any event, his intent is not to derive pleasure from this defect that he ascribes to his friend, but only to be zealous for the truth that perhaps some future benefit will result. Okay. Okay. Now we're in very, I think, confusing territory because, you know, if you cannot say anything ever that is um, wrong about someone else, that is, they're not wrong, but that is, um, that is um, denouncing someone else. Okay. You can't ever do that unless you have some reason why you're doing it. And the only reason it seems like why you can't is if you're doing it because you enjoy it, okay? It seems like almost any other reason is, is, is justified. Now, I'm not, I'm not even sure I would, uh, I'm not even sure how I feel about that exception. I mean, really, any other reason just to, to, make, to force someone into, to shame them into, into to repentance, that's a good enough reason, okay? Um, but then also like it just, it completely hobbles the law. The only, the only problem with any of this stuff is the way that we enjoy doing it, okay? Is that really a big enough law? I mean, you can say anything you want about anyone, just don't enjoy it, okay? So, okay, so Joni's question, um, Strong question, strong answer, but such a strong answer that now I'm wondering, well, what are we left with? What is forbidden and what what is permit what should be permitted and what should be forbidden? Okay. So so okay, so that's that's what we're dealing with here. Let's let's turn back now um to folks who uh who have um more to say, um to interpret here. Um, that thank you for that. Emily echoes um Joni's comments and echoes them in such a way um that um, reminds us of 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 the the idea that we have to speak, you know, speak truth to power, right? Um, remind reminds me of something else that that Joni alluded to that um, um, that actually comes. We, we mentioned it at the outset, but we haven't we haven't mentioned it yet. Joni mentioned the the the, the mandate that we have in this tradition to rebuke. Right to actually speak out and and call out when someone does something wrong and actually, you know, I took us through the whole um, the whole sort of world of the Chafetz Chaim in order to get to to this this kind of paradox, this contradiction where on the one hand you can never say anything wrong about anyone, but on the other hand you can do so for any good reason. It's like complete paradox. And I think some of that paradox or some of that tension is found even in the verses themselves, because now I'll just show you that the next verse, we've been looking at verse 16 in chapter 19 of Leviticus, which deals with gossip. The next verse, the very next verse deals with, um, we had a prohibition against gossip. Now we have a mandate to rebuke. Okay. Now they're not exactly opposites, but you can feel that there's a, there's a certain opposing energy that, uh, to them. So Joni mentioned it, and Emily mentioned speaking out um, against the powerful. Um, let's let's remember um, with those comments in mind. Let's remember the 
um, the language that the Torah uses. Um, don't go gossiping about your people. Don't stand idly by the blood of your neighbor. And then the next verse is, and you can hear the poetry again, right? Like that, again, that just sort of like, there's like that kind of rhythmic language. It's meant to be kind of memorized and turned into a kind of saying. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke, you shall rebuke your kin and bear no sin on their account. Okay, there it is. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. Rebuke, you shall rebuke. And it's doubled that way. And that's the way the, the, the Torah tells us that this is really serious. You should rebuke someone, rebuke someone. Now, what is that? Well, that turns into a whole other category of law, which is the mandate to speak out against someone when they're doing something wrong. Now, wait a minute. I mean, how can I have both these things be true? How can I have a responsibility to speak out against someone and also have a prohibition uh, uh, against saying anything bad about someone. And I guess the Chafetz Chaim has offered us one answer, which is that you have to be very careful uh, to, 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 to monitor yourself to see whether you're doing it really for a benefit or just for your own pleasure. And I said, that sounds like a tiny little thing. Like, oh, really? That's the only thing this, this, uh, this, this uh, law in the Torah is prohibiting? But I actually think maybe the Chafetz Chaim would answer, oh, that's not a tiny thing at all. Because you would be surprised how much of the, you know, public chatter, the righteous public chatter is actually taking place out of, out of like a kind of lusty joy, a kind of pleasure, a delight in, in gossiping and in taking other people down, okay? But some of it is going on because we desperately need, I mean, Joni put it this way, we rely on the public conversation in order to know reputation actually means something. And if someone's not um, good at, uh, at going to be good at their job, or even someone you really shouldn't have around people in this way, we need to know that, okay? But I think you can hear by now that the dilemma that we found in the Chafetz Chaim is actually a little bit, in, it's, it's hanging there in the for us to resolve in the original language of the of the Torah itself, which tells us not to go running around gossiping and spreading. Oh, guess what I heard? Guess what I heard? Guess what I heard? Guess what I heard? But nevertheless, tells us but speak out and speak out in rebuke when someone is doing something wrong. Okay, all right. Um, I think we have time for one more comment. Anyone? Anyone feeling like this is this is the moment? Okay, uh, Alexandra. Thank you so much. I think this is a really important topic that we don't talk about enough, especially like in Jewish communities where we're trying to be unified. Um, and and I think I, there are a few things like, um, about the tail bearing. Don't go tail bearing about your fam about your people. I think it's about the importance of respecting privacy, loyalty, loyalty, and 
and respect of the the sense of camaraderie and the the what what is told to you assume it's being told to you in confidence and be loyal to each other and put on a united front this is your people and be aware of how you represent your people to your people if it, uh, assume it's told to you in confidence and the same thing it says rebuke your kin um it doesn't say publicly rebuke your kin it says rebuke and i think there's an element of respect privacy respect what goes on what you hear what's told to you respect it and keep it there and and if you have to rebuke someone if you can rebuke them privately if that's effective maybe that that's the first step i think also like i the, you asked earlier what's the problem with all of this and i think the problem is one of the many problems is we don't have clear strategies in third grade and orthodox jewish day school they told us it's a sin to hear Lashon Hara, walk away. And that's not really doable for third graders. Like, like we're, we don't really have, we're not, that's all they said to us. There wasn't a culture of this. This wasn't repeated. This was one class. And like, as third graders, we're not gonna do that. And as humans, we're not gonna do that unless culturally, it comes from like top down and institutions institute like no gossip policies and really define what that means and and really have these conversations and put them into like that you said it's not natural and like many years ago using a toilet wasn't natural <laughs> like we can shift the culture and we can shift the society to make like our like an elevated conversation become the more cultural norm and i think that's so important um okay. and and i appreciate I, the topic I, I, this this is um this is exactly the right place to end because Alexandra mentions I think a a a, a, a sort of critical um, distinction here and Rashi mentions it as well right so you know you're on the right track and that is the question of just how um, public um, or private um, the speech is okay so we've had we we've now um been reflecting on one way of distinguishing between what's allowed and what's not and that is whether you take pleasure from it but alexandra asks us also just to think about what it means to to be thoughtful about um someone's privacy even when we are um needing to say the right thing and i just want to i want to end by showing you that rashi says the right this the same thing here rashi says and bear no sin on that on their account um, that was the end of rebuke. You shall rebuke your kin and bear no sin on their account. And what is he? What? 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 Why is that extra phrase there? And what? How would you bear sin on their account in the rebuke? So Rashi says um, that is do not publicly shame them. Literally whiten their face in public. In other words, rebuke them, but do it as privately as you can. Now that's another form of calculation and consideration because as Joni said sometimes things need to be public and the Chafetz Chaim said sometimes things need to be public but I guess Rashi and I guess Alexander is saying they yes but they only need to be as public as they need to be and there's also a kind of a looseness and maybe even a pleasure in making things as public as possible and that is also a prohibition that is also something that we have to be careful for so completely prohibited so this is like the journey so far we're completely prohibited to say anything negative about anyone 
And then suddenly we walk it back by saying, well, unless there is a benefit. And then we, and then we wonder, given that huge exception, well, it, what, what is a benefit? What really constitutes a benefit? And the two points of consideration that we use to evaluate that are, well, are you getting pleasure out of this? And two, are you keeping it in as closed a circle as you can and need to in order to affect the benefit that you are trying to affect? And that's really complicated stuff to think through. That's really, really difficult stuff to think through. But that's like, that is our, that's our Lashon Hara conversation. And, it, and as Alexandra said, at least we have a conversation, right? Because without having a conversation, without having some institution for processing, some mechanism for processing these issues, it's just all too, we're, we're all just third graders. We're just going to laugh at the, at the gossip that we hear. That's just, that's only natural. So thank God for, for, uh, for the Torah's um, complicated guidance. All right. All right. Uh, thanks for your patience through chainsaws and everything today. Good to see you all. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Thank you. Bye. Okay, that's it. A taste of our weekly Parsha class. Uh, I want to thank everyone who came to the class, some of whose voices you may have heard today, uh, some you didn't because the podcast has been edited. So just want to thank everybody. Um, and speaking of editing, I want to thank also our uh, editor, Vera Blossom, for her great work. If you'd like to join our class sometime and come and, and join our, our circle of, of Torah geeks, you can find us, uh, again, Thursdays, 12 p.m. online at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And, uh, and if you go to the calendar, uh, then you can find a Zoom link and just click in. And, um, and in the section uh, on the website uh, that, that uh, we keep our classes, you can, if you click on Parsha Study, you'll find all of our archive classes and source sheets and everything we discussed there. So if you're looking for a regular Parsha class, I'd love to see you. Um, and, uh, and in the meantime, I will talk to you next week.